How great a love the Father has bestowed on, on us that we be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know uh, him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because he will, we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him that whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence, therefore, before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he has given us. Now, now you're awake. Here. Here. Yeah, here. 
Lord spoke. Glory. Uh, this morning's service is going to be just a little different, so humor me along. Um, I want to spend uh, a goodly portion of our time that would normally be a, a sermon in prayer and sharing. So in order to do that in a, in a little more uh, family way, I'm going to ask you to come up here. So uh, all of you move up toward the front, and if you're n normally a back row Baptist, uh, just sit in the back of those in the front, if that makes you more comfortable. But we, we need to get up here where we can hear each other talk, where we can hear each other, uh, what, what it has to say. It doesn't hurt. These rows up front, are, they're, they're fine. They're, and I hardly spit, so I'll, I'll stay in the middle. Thank you. That's, that's going to be a little more intimate and a little more uh, family-friendly. You might even get to know somebody you haven't, didn't know went to this church. I'd like this morning to, we're going to come back to that portion that uh, Dina has just read to us, and if you don't have one of these uh, pieces of paper in your hand, Josh, is, Josh has some, so just uh, raise your hand if you want some, we have plenty, and uh, it's a little easier to just to follow along. Uh, Barb, you didn't get to introduce your family here this morning. I mean, you, you, you need to do that. Yeah, I didn't know how often you've been here, but we need to know that. And, and just in from San Diego County, uh, the Reverend Jerry Brooks. He looks pretty good on the outside, but he's burnt up on the inside. <laughs> we will come back to this, so hold up your hands and, and uh, we'll get, uh, get you a copy of the third chapter of 1 John. I believe Steve Kern, if I'm not mistaken, is going to uh, have a series of messages on, on 1 John, I think. I think that's what he told me. I don't mean to steal his thunder, but I, I, I wanted to come to this passage this morning in light, of, in light of the fire and the tragedy and the things that have gone on. And, and then, I, I, like I mentioned, I want to spend a little time in sharing and prayer. And also, if you have a verse or a, a little passage of Scripture that has meant a lot to you and you'd like to read that, you'd like to bring us up to date on a little bit on your, on your story or your friend's story, uh, we want to leave time for that this morning. This is kind of a body life kind of thing. I do want you to go back to Colossians with me, though. And um, this is my last uh, Sunday uh, speaking from the book of Colossians. And, and, uh, and then, as I said, Steve Kearns, I believe, it has the next series of messages here at Oak Grove. At Colossians chapter 1, verse 18... In, in talking about who Christ is, 
He says, he is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Over in verse 24, it says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. This is Paul talking to those at Colossians. He writes this letter to him. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So what, what, what most of us are very familiar with is that the church, uh, not a church, not a particular people, group of people who are meeting in a particular place, but the church uh, is a, a term in, in a Greek term, uh, ecclesia, and it means the called out ones. So it doesn't make any difference if you're in South America, Asia, uh, America. Uh, it doesn't make any difference where you're meeting. If you've been called out by Christ and have trusted him as your Lord and Savior, uh, you're part of that church. And that's the church that it's talking about. And sometimes we, we get a little um, <clears throat> possessive of our own little groups. And, but we've we, we got to be careful about that because we're in the body of Christ. And <clears throat> then the scripture points out here that Christ is the head of that. He is the head of that body, the head that gives that body direction. Now, <clears throat> it's an interesting walk in life, and many of you can attest to this, both individually and corporately as church family members, uh, how do we, how are we led by the head? Um, is that just a, a saying, is, or is that just some spiritual idea, or is that a practical application in our lives? Does Jesus Christ, the living God, really live within us and lead us? And not only individually, but can a body of believers, such as Oak Grove, be led in a particular direction by Christ, the head. And so the Bible clearly speaks that it, he can and will, but we have to tune into that. Uh, individually, we have to get into his word and to know his will and to spend time in prayer and listen, uh, repent of things in our own lives that are holding uh, the Spirit of God back in our lives and listen to him and follow his prompting. Uh, I can remember <clears throat> years ago uh, when God was calling me into ministry and to sell a business and, and, and to become into full-time service, somebody said, well, how do you know that's what the Lord has for you? And I called it the, the not just the prompting, but the, oh, there's another term. Um, <clears throat> this, is, this is a problem when you're old and forgetful, but um, you can't do anything else. You, you, you examine the options, you look, you say, well, how about if I do this, how about if I do that? And, and the God just lays in your heart uh, a direction to travel that you can't deny. Uh, conviction. The conviction? Mm -hmm. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, there's one word, I, word I'm more I'm searching for from back then, but I, that doesn't make any difference. It's the same idea is he just lays it on your heart through your, through your study, through your prayer, and you've got to go in that direction. And, and then later on, as things don't turn out quite the way you envisioned them, you go, uh, <clears throat> Lord, uh, you led me. And so I'm just going to keep going, and I'm going to keep doing what you've asked me to do. And so that can happen. That happens individually. It also happens corporately in the church. And uh, I just want to call your attention to a couple things. Uh, turn with me to Titus, Timothy, Titus, and just spend a minute or two here, and then we're going to come back to this other portion of scripture. How does it happen um, corporately? How does it happen in a community? Well, we have instructions from, from the Bible, from God's Word, and it's Paul writing to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 4, to Titus, my true child, in common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you, namely if a man is, and then he gives the qualifications for those that he wants appointed as elders. So corporately, uh, God has set up a system by which Christians in a given area can be protected, encouraged, and led by a group of men uh, that are qualified by scriptural qualifications to lead that particular group. Interesting enough, when you see those words elder, bishop, pastor, overseer, and scripture, uh, they all uh, are uh, synonymous with one another. Sometimes they use one, sometimes they use the other. <clears throat> but whenever elders is used, it's always used in a, in a plural. And so we gather from that that the local body of believers is to be led um, by the, these men, and they meet these qualifications, okay? Um, now, how does that work? How, 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 and we're not going to, I was going to talk about this today more, but um, <clears throat> how, do, how does this work? Well, it's men who, uh, it says, spend time in the Word and in prayer. And they... Um, are given the task to give protection, direction, encouragement uh, to a local gathering of believers. We have that here at Oak Grove, and we need to uphold them in prayer. Um, there's other places where um, we're given instructions about that, and I, I just want to talk, uh, just mention one in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. You might want to turn there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Timothy has it in that book has the qualifications for those um, elders as well. Um, now, in some groups, uh, this our group here uh, at Oak Grove and uh, those in Cottonwood at, at the Cottonwood Community Church where uh, our kids and, and a lot of our relatives and a lot of your friends go, uh, is another church that's run with multiple elders and without being paid. 
they're all people that are getting their income someplace else. And, uh, but what happens in some cases is that uh, that load of pastoring, of getting in the word, of teaching, of protecting, of, of um, really sharing deeply in God's word is so time consuming that um, God has provided that we set uh, some aside and pay their salary. First um, Timothy chapter five, verse 17, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing and the labor is worthy of his wages. And then it goes on to say some other things there about the elders. Now, uh, what has happened in many times, um, as, as different groups of people have gathered together as Christians, um, they, have, they have not had multiple elders, and they have had a pastor, and they pay that pastor, and he, and he becomes kind of the, uh, the boss, so to speak. And uh, what we've taken from Scripture is that there is multiple elders, and they have a variety of gifts, and they can blend and, and pray and work together. However, uh, it may be the case that, uh, in some cases, that that load is so heavy that they can't uh, take care, they can't earn a living anyplace else, and they need to be supported. And that is perfectly uh, right and uh, from the scripture, and that's why I bring that to your attention this morning. I also bring it to your attention because I think, uh, and the tragedy of the last few days uh, brings to our attention that how do we respond individually, and how do we respond corporately? Uh, and so I, I, I throw this out here this morning to say that uh, the load for elders, depending on the circumstances of the community and life, can get really heavy. And we need to uphold them in prayer. We need to uphold them uh, in counsel, in making uh, our ideas and things known to them so they can have a feel for what God is doing in our lives and, and what we see is God wanting to use us individually. So uh, I, I believe we really need to uh, uphold our elders in this time because what I want to move on over into now is right before I go to uh, that sheet of paper you have, turn with me to Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Yeah, you'll be all right. Galatians. It's right before Ephesians, after Corinthians. And Galatians chapter 6 says this. I'll get there in a second with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Uh, well, we'll start at 6, Galatians 6.6. 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, that's just what we've been talking about. Uh, 
if you've been taught the word, you need to share all good things with the ones who are teaching. You, that can be prayer, that can be encouragement, that can be monetary things. Uh, it can be tomatoes. It can be, you know, whatever helps. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In other words, the idea here is uh, don't be selfish and, don't, and don't, don't just look out for your own stuff. Start looking out for those of others. Because then he goes right on in um, verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, now what an appropriate scripture for the, the place we find ourselves in right now. Um, so then, if we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. So, uh, as Christians, um, there's not a limit on who we help, share, encourage, support, uh, whatever we need to do. But it says, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So I think uh, this morning as we look at the situation we're in and here around Reading, and we're a body of Christ out on the east side, uh, how does the east side of Reading uh, come together as a family of believers, leaders in different churches and, and what have you, and how do we corporately minister to those on the west side? Um, I, I think that's an important question, and I think that's an important question that the elders uh, have to wrestle with, and we need to pull them in prayer in trying to figure out how to do those things. How, how do you... Um, there are just a lot of questions, and we talk about that in a minute. Okay, uh, let's go to First um, John chapter three. <clears throat> that piece of paper that I've handed you, and it's interesting that it starts out in chapter three, verse one, with "See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us." that we would be called the children of God. Now, we've spent the last four weeks in Colossians basically looking at the mercies that God dumps on us from heaven. Uh, the 33 riches of his grace, although we haven't touched on all of them, uh, they're there to study and they're there to see and, and, and realize what God has done. When you've trusted him as your savior, you, you just didn't get a ticket to heaven. That's the, that, that's, you may have got the ticket to heaven, but there's a lot of stuff that comes with it. Um, we have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we are his children. We, we, we become in his family. Um, it's, it's, it's just going to go on and on. Uh, we become uh, heirs of him. Uh, I mentioned this before, and I just, it just sticks in my mind so much that um, 
the scripture says that God the Father wanted to give a present to the Son, and he, we're it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it's an eternal thing. It's, it's, it's human beings coming out of a fallen race of people, being called out by God, and having the righteousness of Jesus Christ placed on them by no effort of their own. No, no good in them, but God has chosen to do that. And as we have responded to the gospel, he has taken away our sin, our transgressions, and he's placed on us the righteousness of God. So when God the Father looks down on us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. And that makes me sinless before God for eternity. Because Christ went to the cross, that's how sufficient his death on the cross was. He took my sins and he paid the price for them so I don't have to pay the price for them. That's just incredible. When you are able to grasp that, then, then you just say, God, you love me that much. I want to love you. I'm an imperfect lover. I'm a selfish person still. I, I have a short attention span when it comes to loving and serving you. Yeah. Many hymns actually are written on that theme of uh, how wayward we can be, but God still loves us, and he, he is still justified us before the Father. So that's how 1 John chapter 3 starts out, just like we were coming over from Colossians. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. That's a foreign concept to people that aren't Christians for you to say, hey, I'm a child of God and I'm sinless before, I'm sinless before God. Uh, my sins are forgiven. And so then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve Christ and I'm going to spend eternity with him. And, I'm, you know, that, that, that doesn't make sense to a world. And, and you can see why. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet that we will, what we will be. We know that when he appears, he will, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. For everyone has this hope fixed on him, purifies himself just as he is pure. You, you see, uh, John is real plain here about the fact that I know you can't completely see and understand this, who you really are. But when Christ appears, we'll all get it. We'll understand it when he, when he comes. And he says, so everyone that has this hope fixed upon. And it, it's, 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 it's a hope. It's a hope based in the reality of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, but we haven't seen it yet. So, so it's still a hope. And he's, has a, he purifies himself just as he is pure. Okay, so that's who we are as Christians. That's what he's done for us, and we're going to spend eternity with him. So now the idea is you're no longer a citizen here, you're a citizen of glory. You're a citizen with the Lord. Uh, 
drop down to 13 on this page. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. <clears throat> um, yeah, and we, we see this a little bit in our culture, but we see it very plainly in cultures around the world when people make a profession to, to stand for Jesus and, and proclaim him. Uh, some terrible things happen to him. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Now, here's where Paul or John is going to, he's going to stick us where we live and make sure that you're not just pretending to be a Christian. You're not just somebody that enjoys the fellowship of people that go to church or enjoys the fellowship of a family that are Christians. He, he's going to say, he's going to see, where, where are you? Okay? And not only where are you individually, but where are you corporately? Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. So, listen, if, if you don't have this desire to love one another, uh, ch check your credentials. You may not be in the family. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you do not... And you know that murderer has a, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this. How do you know that Christ really loved you? We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. So there is the, the, the epitome, <clears throat> the definition of love. He laid down his life for us. <clears throat> well... What's he, what's he preparing to say? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. Well, that tells me right away that there is no sacrifice that we should not make for the brethren when that's called for. And he starts out with lay down in your life. So he starts out with the big one first. Whoever has the world, and then he says, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children. You can just see John's in there. Little children. Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a mouthful to me. That, 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 that sounds like a challenge. It sounds like a goal. It sounds like what's required of his people. And we read last Sunday, I think I took you back last Sunday to the second chapter of Acts where they first uh, were getting saved and the word was being taught and they said they had all things in common and they were going from house to house sharing their meals and praying with one another and many people would come to the Lord. There are many times circumstances in life when one group of people is blessed and another group of people are facing tragedy. And that's where we find ourselves uh, today. Uh, Patty and I watched the news and watched the news. Uh, my neighbor... Uh, uh, who is not um, 
lived here a long time, uh, and his wife and small child, uh, every time I would come outside where he could see me, he, he would come, he'd say, uh, <laughs> uh, hey neighbor, uh, what do you think? Uh, what, look at, look at, and the last time the sky was so black and dark, and I said, uh, Antonio, uh, no, it's, he said, is it time to go? I said, no, it's not time to go. Uh, we're okay over here. Um, and, and we have been. Uh, and I will call it the east side. Some of you don't live on the east side. Some of you live on the west side. And uh, you have a different experience. But I think our challenge is, and I, and I just will open it up here to comments, questions, testimony, uh, praying for one another. Um, <clears throat> What do we do and how do we do it? And how deep do we dig? And when I'm looking over here uh, at First John, it looks like we have to, supposed to dig pretty deep. Um, how do we do that individually? And then how do we do that corporately? Now, this is a tragedy of some life and death, and there, according to some, there's going to be a few more uh, in the, from the missing people found as, as, as dead. But um, it's mainly a loss of things, house things. Maybe everything a person had in life um, is gone. Uh, now, there's many other tragedies uh, that we have that are actual other loss of life and, and uh, loss of health and things that are probably quite a bit more traumatic than what most people in this situation are going to be faced. So, uh, in any of those situations, uh, what do we do? How do we come alongside? Uh, how dig do we deep ourselves? If we have the world's goods and we hold on to them, um, what kind of love is that? So with that, uh, let, me, let me just pray here and then uh, let's open this up to discussion. Our Heavenly Father, you have seen fit to save us, to love us, to go to the cross for us, to make us your children, to include us in the family of God, in the body of Christ. You've gifted us in so many different ways as individuals uh, to, to be ambassadors for you, to spread the gospel, to love people for you, uh, to love one another that other people might um, come to know you. You've done that for us in such dramatic ways. And as we gather here this morning in this little small group of Christians on the east side of Reading, um, we thank you for our blessings, and we, we praise you and, and thank you. Um, Lord, the question comes to us this morning, um, individually and corporately, how do we respond to others in need? How do we do it intelligently? How do we do it efficiently? Uh, but how do we do it with compassion? How do we do it with empathy? Lord, help us to know how to minister to a hurting people. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. 
First of all, let me, let me ask those of you that live on the west side, um, how are things going for you? And I'd start over there with Toby. Okay. You have a house, you haven't seen it, can't get to it, but you know it's there. We'll, we'll, try, the, we'll try the mic. We'll, we'll get a mic and I'll turn mine off. Oh, it's behind me? Okay, Molly, uh, Felipe. <laughs> uh, where's the question? Hello? Yeah. Where's the question? Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, last week uh, we went in discipleship camp. We went there in the course. We were in the course, and, and um, one of the kids just. Uh, say to us, hey guys, uh, Old Shasta, is, the fire is going to Old Shasta. So I talked to mom and I say, hey, you should talk to your parents and, and see what's going on. And she called in and they're like, well, we don't have any news, uh, nothing happening. So uh, Tyler called in get your house because the fire is coming to and I, with the kids and in the morning, next morning, we, we knew the... Um, son Jeff, uh, as most of you know, is divorced, and his uh, ex-wife and her uh, boyfriend live out in the Igo area, and uh, she's out of town with him, and they're on they were on vacation, and the girls are with Jeff, and so they watch the news, 
uh, as the fire, uh, as they start giving the names of streets and things that were evacuated and whatnot, and uh, <clears throat> their house was right directly in the path of the fire, and and so it was a night, uh, quite a night, and it was a night to uh, to teach your girls, comfort your girls, but to teach your girls that, you know, those are just things, and. Uh, it's all right, you're safe, and your mom's safe, and uh, and so there are times of teaching, there are times of learning. That does not take away, and I don't mean to uh, say that it's not a very traumatic experience to lose everything you own. Um, it is. We, well, I, I haven't had that experience, but... Uh, Many have now. How about others from any others that live in on the west side? Yeah. Yeah. This is my third time the fires keep following us around. <laughs> We've been evacuated. Fire was close enough. Uh, my son in law's mailer party, birthday party, and got a call and said, hey, Fort Hill being evacuated. So I ran up there and cops were going around saying, everyone out now. So we threw a few things in the truck, put the sprinklers on. The night before, snuck in our house about midnight, and the fire had come up. He lives up on the top of South Fork Mountain. He did lose his house. He did, yeah. So, we for that. Uh, he did lose everything, but he lost some. Yeah. So, we need some help there later on. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's just so unpredictable. The firefighter that was killed, uh, the Reading firefighter, um, apparently was not burned. He was in his truck, and his entire truck was taken off in the in the tornado that came down through there, and he actually died of uh, trauma, blunt force. He um, that's how powerful it was, and how unpredictable. And so you can see why you know, it, 
you could lose your life. Yeah. Yes. Good. Wow. What if some of you, yes, go ahead, Steve. has the Lord taken you through uh, tragedies? Some of you have 
probably had some not only similar but maybe worse kinds of situations. Do you have a, a word of testimony or a word of encouragement for those for us? Uh, if you've, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know your situations, but it would be good to it would be good to be encouraged by how God has encouraged you through uh, some real tough times. Yeah. The Psalms mean a lot to me, and even the, even the, even the ones that talk about war, my colleague, you can find comfort in that too, because you're going through it, and you're going through the fire and the flames, and you're calling on God to help you through every bit of this. You know what? It works. That's a great, those That's are great Psalms too. Even the fire and the flames. Praise God. Yeah, losing a home in a fire is nothing to what you guys have been going through. It is really true that this home, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We do get awfully attached to it, and uh, we get attached to our loved ones. Uh, but when they're just passing through, then it makes it a lot easier. Um, I, I'm not sure easier is a good choice of words, but it makes it bearable uh, that we're going to spend eternally with our loved ones when we know that they are have put their trust in Christ. Yes.
Sometimes it's just a quick word in the grocery line at Safeway with a lady that was displaced from Mary Lakes. And uh, she said, I, I just think we have too many things. When she tried to, when she tried to decide what to take out of the house, she said, "We really have too many things." Yeah, and it makes you think about that. What's going to stand through the fire? Your eternal life, my friend, is the only thing that makes it. That's the only thing. Everything else gets left behind. Let's uh, pray for one another. Uh, just just uh, stand up when you pray, please, so that we can hear you a little better. Um, let's just express our, our uh, love and, for the Lord and, uh, and, and pray, for our, uh, pray for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and then those that are outside of the family as well.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us, and thank you that you do allow uh, tragedies, whether it's fire or flood or hurricanes or earthquakes, tsunamis. Lord, that's part of what's on this earth, part of what shows us that we are just mortals. We are not above and beyond the tragedies of this life, and we need to grasp a hold of the Creator Himself, Jesus Christ, and hold on to Him through whatever comes, whether it's the loss of things or even the loss of loved ones. Lord, we have no one else but You uh, for now and for eternity. Now, Lord, help us to turn our attention in the body of Christ to those that are um, been affected, traumatized. Uh, help us to know how to help. Uh, give us wisdom. Lord, I also know that in these times, um, there are some of our loved ones that have been wandering from you. And Lord, may even this kind of an event uh, make them rethink what's important in their lives. As hard as it is to lose things, it is a blessing, often in disguise, that strips us our things away from us so that we realize that there's more in life than things. There is a loving Savior who died for us and loves us and will guide us and lead us through any kind of circumstance. Thank you for the body of Christ here at Oak Grove, Lord. Pray for our elders, for wisdom for them uh, in knowing how to lead us corporately, and pray for individuals uh, in our congregation that um, you will lead us all into knowing how to love others in a compassionate way. And we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah, you want to sing?